Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. Welcome back to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. My name is Mike Perry, and I'm here as always with Brett Jones. Brett, what's going on, bud? Not much. Just, you know, doing the things. Doing thing. I like doing things. I do things. You're, you're um, big fan of things. Big, big fan of things. Training's going well. I'm feeling good. Um, taking some some comments from the peanut gallery on uh, on Instagram and, and social media, so uh it's entertaining right now, but I'm 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 enjoying my training and, and doing fine. Hey, uh, you know, press is press, right? If if people are talking about you, they're talking about you. So um that's it. That, that's the one thing I hate about social media. Like I just people start asking questions. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I'm not gonna answer because I don't care. <laughs> like I just put out content and I don't answer people because I just I don't have time. And that's absolutely the worst way to grow my social media. I know I really don't, to be honest, I really don't care. Um but we're not engagement. talking about engagement, engagement. I know. Uh, but here's what I do care about today's topic. And it's about youth training. And this is something that, um, I have been doing for quite some time and I have been studying, uh, about long-term athletic development. Um, and, uh, I'd like to think that I have a pretty good understanding of, of how to work with youth athletes and, and how to work with kids. Um, and, you know, today, especially I want to talk about weight training and strength training for, for youth athletes, because how many times have you, Brett, have you heard oh, kids shouldn't, kids shouldn't lift. It's going to stunt their growth. A bunch, a bunch. <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's kind of like the, you know, knees shouldn't go past toes sort of conversation. It's like, why won't this die? Why can't we kill this and make it go away? And for youth training and for uh, you know kids lifting weights, it's the it's the same conversation. And we're we're going to go a few different directions with this today. But I, I want um, I want people to uh, let's start off with just a little bit of perspective because nobody has a problem. the The arguments will usually be centered around and let's let's jump on that first one. Um, it it's going to stunt your growth. The only research that has ever shown that you work would stunt the growth of kids and listen to my phrasing there work, not weight training uh, were very old studies that were looking at kids that were basically malnourished and forced to work like 15 hour days. Um, and lo and behold, it stunted their growth. Well, it probably wasn't the work. It was probably the malnourishment. Um, but nobody peels the, the layer back um, and, and looks at where that original idea came from. So the cautionary tale from those early, and I'm talking old studies, the cautionary tale is don't feed your kids uh, so they're not malnourished. Uh, and yeah, there's better things for them to be doing with their day than working 14 hours in a, in a sweatshop. Um, but, you know, the, so 
if kids are fed and they have the opportunity to sleep and recover, um, we're, we're talking about a really different situation. Uh, but again, that's just one of those things. It's one of those old wives tales or, um, you know, urban myths, whatever tag you want to put on it, um, that just won't die. And it won't die because people don't look one layer deeper into where that piece of information came from. Um, so let's put that aside. Let's everybody get rid of that because if we're not malnourished and we have a chance to sleep and recover, we're talking about, you know, really different things. But where I like to go first with youth training, when somebody says, you know, I, yeah, I really don't, you know, I think kids should do like body weight first and they really shouldn't lift weights and, and all of this stuff. I'm like, okay, so you're okay with them um, running and jumping. Oh yeah. Yeah. We should, we should be running and jumping. Okay, cool. You realize when you're running, you're taking ballpark four times your body weight load every time you step down. So little Billy or little Susie weighs, you know, a hundred pounds. That's 400 pounds of force. Every time they take a step, you're okay with them running a mile. That's 1500 steps times 400. Calculate the tonnage on that session. It's a big number. Jump, jump down off of something. You could be taking 10 times your body weight, eccentric load. That's a thousand pounds for that hundred pound kid. Now, if kids do this naturally, they play, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're out doing this and playing. It, it gets into a different context when we start talking training and we're looking for specific adaptations. But you let kids go, they're going to go jump off of stuff. They're mm-hmm. going to take that five, six, 10 times body weight load. They're going to run, cut, play, roll, uh, do all of these things, taking you know two, four, six times their body weight load and nobody bats an eye. You pull out a 10-pound dumbbell and people act like you've pulled out a, a, a some sort of weapon and, and you're <laughs> you're going after the kid, you know, to do do them harm. And it's like just just run the numbers real quick on the loads that a, a, a kid will take playing, running, jumping, and playing because they're kids. Um it, it hopefully that puts a really different context into this idea that we're going to actually structure a strength training program to benefit them and go after specific adaptations. Yeah. And look, there's a, there's a lot to to dive into when it comes to youth training, but uh, you know, two things right off the bat, you mentioned, you know, sprinting. Yeah, we know that there's four times body weight and again, jumping landing, there's, you know, upwards of 10. Um, so based off of that math, you would assume that playing in the backyard and jumping off of tree limbs and benches is far more dangerous than playing soccer or rugby or football, et cetera. But here, here's the scoop, guys. That play, that organized play, that movement exploration, the running, the jumping, the falling even, that's how you build durability and resilience with young kids. That is exactly what you need to do. So that is why kids need to run on different surfaces and do different things and spin, fall, tumble, rotate, wrestle. Those build up the durability and the resilience for the kid down the road. That is athletic development at its finest. Same thing with running. Like running is not inherently bad for a young kid, but if you tell a young kid to go run five miles, is it the young kid's fault or is it the person who told him to run five miles? So I I think the, 
the idea of uh, the idea of variability and, and exposure to different movements, different environments, different surfaces is one of the best ways to improve the resiliency of a young, young kid. And um, and I do think that the more rough and tumble play, the more exposure that they have to running, jumping, landing, vaulting, spinning, rotating, the more durability they're going to have. So when they do fall in a game, hopefully it's not going to be catastrophic. They're just going to get up and you know, wipe off the blood and make sure nothing's super, super severe and then go from there. And, um, you know, that, that's a big part of it. And that is why I'm so adamant about young kids just playing and just, just getting out there and goof around. And, you know, it's funny. I see kids, like I see my oldest son wrestling with his buddies and they're always goofing around. And, uh, you know, what's the first thing people say, be careful, be careful. Dude. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, don't like land on your buddy's knee and dislocate it. But Wrestling with your buddies in the backyard is not nearly as dangerous as playing organized sports at that age, which is hysterical, right? No, seriously, if you look at yeah, it, and, is. and I think, and I, and I forget where it came, uh, where it came from. It was like the, it might've been the journal of strength and conditioning research, right? And they had, and it's per hundred might be per hundred athletes or per hundred hours of athletic competition. Um, and, yeah. and this is, this goes down to weight, weight training and powerlifting is at the very, very bottom. I don't know the exact numbers, but soccer, football, rugby are at the very, very top. And that is, those are the sports where we see a lot more just injuries in general. I mean, look, I, I was telling my wife yesterday, I was at Starbucks and uh, doing a little bit of work and saw three young girls walk in to Starbucks getting, you know, whatever they get. Two of them had pretty significant knee braces on, which tells me, hey, they probably did an ACL or something else. I mean, it, it happens yep. all the time. If you... If you watch any club soccer team, and the, the reason why I use club, club soccer is because that's a sport that I'm very, very familiar with. I would argue that on a team of 20, you're probably going to have anywhere from three to six of them with knee braces or filled with kinesio tape or straps on their knees uh, for IT band stuff, et cetera. They're going to go in with a bunch of stuff. And that's just because, you know, that's a different conversation. But my point is, is that... Um, if we're talking about risk and we're talking about where you're more likely to get injured, the research is pretty damn clear. You are more likely to get injured as a youth athlete in organized sports than you are playing with your buddies in the backyard. And at the same time, weightlifting and powerlifting, strength training is at the very, very, very bottom of the list. Literally, it's last. So if someone says weightlifting and strength training stunts your kid's growth, I just immediately think you are an absolute moron because you don't know what you're talking about. And, and look, I, I mean, I, I can't say it any, <laughs> maybe I'm turning in the Clint Eastwood as I get older and you know, I'm turning off to the get off my lawn guy, but look, you just don't know what you're talking about. You really do not know what you're talking about. And, uh, and that's an issue. Now, look, how do we get kids to learn? How do we teach kids about strength training? When is it appropriate to introduce strength training? And that's what we're going to talk about today, because um, I think the answers uh, might surprise you a little bit. Now, one of the things that we've heard people say is master your body weight before you add any external load. And if we take a 10,000 foot view and step back and, and say that, I think we all agree that's that's not a bad direction. But it's not true. It is absolutely not true um, because it just doesn't work that way. And and and. Brett and I were talking about this uh, a little bit earlier. Let's take a push-up, 
for an example. Push-up done correctly may be one of the best upper body strengthening exercises that anybody can do. Um, but there are some, some guidelines and one of the best ways to get a young kid to maybe get to the point where they can really, really do a good push-up is with a bench press or with a dumbbell press. So the idea that they have to master their body weight before using free weights is, is a bit of a flawed way to look at it because oftentimes the free weights are exactly what you need as a supplement or another way to get them to own their, their body weight. hundred percent. And you, you look at it and, you know, you, you take somebody that's struggling with their pushup. Um, and I know people much smarter than me have actually done the math and calculated what percentage of your body weight you're actually moving during a pushup. Um, I just think you're moving your body weight. So I don't care what the percentage is. Um, that can be a max effort event for that person. And we could be dealing with some motor control, lumbopelvic control. We could be dealing with scapular mechanics and, you know, there's, there's reasons why a person could be struggling with the, with the pushup. So rather than continually have them try to build strength by performing a one RM effort and compensating all over the place, give them a 10 pound dumbbell give them something that they can move with confidence that they can move correctly, that you can layer in skills like scapular positioning and, and things like that. Take them to a standing chest press using resistance bands or cables. And because now we've freed up the scapulas from being on the ground. And now we can talk about what does it mean to kind of push from underneath and maintain that scapular position. And that's also going to build a little more lumbopelvic or anti-extension control. So there's things that I'll choose way before body weight uh, because they're better progressions and they layer in and build skills that make that eventual goal of the push-up way more achievable mm -hmm. um go to the lower body you know let's let's do some single leg calf raises let's let's build an airborne lunge let's build a single leg deadlift and yes i would just went all single leg stuff uh and let's do something like a goblet squat to pull it all together uh which has load involved uh, but if you use the load appropriately, it's a counterbalance that will assist the squat. And so, yes, it's loaded, but it's assisted. So let's let's have progressions built in that really help these kids um, get to the point. Because, you know, honestly, a good body weight, full depth squat is an achievement. Yeah. You know, we, we, we look at it from, you know, I train a lot of, um, older folks and, and, um, I'm starting to include myself in that, in that conversation. <laughs> um, and a good body weight squat is something that, um, we, we want to have throughout our lifetime and it's, it is an achievement. I mean, there's people that drop into it and they have no problem with it. Um, you get a little bit of structural stuff going on. You get a little bit of, um, you know, little Susie, you know, grows four inches over the summer and comes back to school with a completely different motor control uh, thing going on. You, you need strategies in place to, to work with this. And, and so building to that great body weight pushup, building to that great body weight squat, you should have progressions in there that help you get there. And then we'll talk about pull-ups here in just a minute. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, so 
you know, I, so my, my oldest son is 12 and he's been kind of like my guinea pig experiment over the last, um, you know, couple of years, if you will. And, and, and I say that years. joking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, he's been on, uh, he's, he's been on some anabolics for a while. That's why he's still, that's why he's still 82 pounds. Um, no, but so, you know, uh, here, here's kind of the cool thing, right? So I have worked with youth athletes for two decades. Um, but I had never worked, and this is going to sound really odd because it's my kid, but uh, the cool thing about me and my son is, is we, he, he knows that this is my job. And when I'm his coach, he actually listens really well. He doesn't fight back. It's, he knows how to compartmentalize dad and coach. And he loves when I train him, which is interesting because a lot of people, if they were, you know, if they're, if it was a dad training their son, it's just going to turn into a damn fist fight, but not with us. Cause, uh, you know, I can take that little bastard easily. So it's not an issue at all. So I'm just kidding. Um, no, but, but he, he really does trust that I know what I'm doing. So he really, he's really good at listening. And, um, so he's been training weight training for a year. And, and, and I'm talking, you know, deadlifts, squats, single leg deadlifts, um, all the stuff that you're talking about. And here's the thing, um, the weights that he's lifted a year ago and the weights that he's lifting now, it's not much heavier. It's not that much heavier. It really isn't, but that's, that's not why it's there to be honest. Um, it's there, um, for coordination, for, for, for a discipline, for timing, for tempo, um, for injury prevention, this kid loves lacrosse. He plays lacrosse all the time. And if I'm being honest, probably at some points a little bit too much. And I know that I need to do something to counteract all of the lacrosse. And I told him, I said, you got to stay strong because this is to keep you healthy. It's not to improve performance right now, although it it has, it's helped, but it's it's about the habit. And, and here's the beauty of it. Um, one, his confidence has gone through the roof. And, and when I say that, if you know, my kid, he's not, he's not a cocky kid. He's, he's a, he keeps to himself. He's a, he's a hard little worker, but there's some things that I've seen and and it's just cool to see the confidence grow. Um, but like I said, even, even from a strength training standpoint, like, yeah, he can do pushups on the ground and he can do chin-ups now, but that's, that that's taken quite a long time. But if you look at his other numbers, he's not doing a ton of weight. I think the, the most external load that we use on anything is like squats is maybe like 25 pounds. Um, and I can manipulate, you know, sets, reps, all that other stuff. Um, but here's the cool thing is, is we're ingraining these patterns into, into his, into his programming. And then down the road when he, you know, hits puberty and he gets to that point where he's really, you know, hitting that growth spurt, he's going to have this skill set. He's going to know how to squat, lunge, deadlift, press, so when he does enter the weight room to do a serious and more comprehensive base program, he's going to, it's going to be like putting the kid on the juice because he already knows how to do the movements and we're just waiting for the hormones and the testosterone to do what they do. Um, and if you take a kid, you know, when they're in that growth spurt and you teach them the basics, I'm not talking fancy. If you just give them the basics and they do it well with a decent amount of volume, they are going to respond because at that point, you know, from a hormonal profile standpoint, their testosterone is absolutely through the roof. They basically look at weights and build muscle. I mean, that is the ideal sort of situation. So when we're looking at development of kids, we have to think about long-term, like what are we setting this kid up for? And, and really I'm just, I'm just trying to teach them the basics, man. Like 
people probably think, oh, you're a crazy dad. You know, you make your kid do this. Our workouts are 25 minutes. Like literally they're 25 minutes. It's we go down and we do some warm up and we do four exercises a day and that's it. That's all we do. Four exercises and pretty much it. But over the course of a year, those four exercises, he's gotten better and better and better at. Now, is it reflected via weight? Like he's lifting more and more? No, it's not reflected via weight, but it is reflected via coordination, tempo, body awareness. And, and the hard thing is those aren't metric based. It's really hard to be like, oh, they're more coordinated. I could tell by their coordination number. Like it's not even that thing. So, but you can see it. it it's, it's kind of like Brett, like, you know, with a, like a, a good kettlebell swing, like you just, you see it and you go, that's a good one. Like you don't have to, I mean, you can analyze it cause you know how to, but it's like, yeah, there it is. It just looks smooth. It looks fast. It's like the same thing when I I'm teaching people to run, you can be like, yeah, that, that was a good rep. Now back in the day, I couldn't tell you why that was a good rep, but I knew it was a good rep. So there's this, there's this, um, the skill acquisition component of being able to acquire skills from various experiences, various environments, various sports, uh, that is super, super important. So exposure to these movement patterns early, early on is the key, you know, squatting, squatting is, we talk about this in the FMS courses is, is how patterns are reflected, but squatting is, is a, a is, is an exercise that you can do in the weight room, but it's also a fundamental movement pattern. So are we building fundamental movement patterns or are we exercising to get stronger? And I would say the answer is yes. Agreed. And, and that's the way that I look at training youth athletes is, is there's a method to the madness, but there's also this, it just, it, it takes time. It just takes time and it's going to take a little bit longer than you think. Um, but the skill will be there. And if you're just consistent over time, good things will happen. Yeah. A couple other things to kind of get into um, just to kind of in the, in the general context of, of youth um, ballpark and youth strength training. Uh, but we want youth strength training as Mike is alluding to, we want it to set you up for future success. Um, being the 12 year old bench press champion for your state, um, pretty sure that doesn't correlate with any long-term uh, athletic development. Um, you know, it, it's fun. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm not making fun of people that have achieved that. I'm just saying you were the 12-year-old bench press champion. Good on you. I'm not sure what that sets you up for uh, moving, moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, but when somebody lays a foundation of movement competency, movement skill, and, and skill acquisition um, at a time when the brain and the body, because what do most people talk about when kids get into the adolescent phases, how uncoordinated the kid becomes. They, they grow one, two, five inches. And all of a sudden, this kid that was this amazing, you know, uh, athlete at 13 shows back up to school again at 14 and they're the baby giraffe, right? They're they're walking around and, and they're they're all over the place. They can't coordinate their body. When you yeah. train consistently and over time, you will you manage that as best as it can be managed. Um, and that is that is really uh, really key um, to that long term athletic development because we can guide kids through the quote awkward phase 
of adolescent growth spurts and the changes in motor control and skill that happen uh, because of that. Um, and that that's a huge piece of the puzzle of what we're trying to accomplish when we talk about youth training. Um, a couple other things. Um, fun. <laughs> fun. The training should be fun. You can get hard work done and have fun. I've, I've done very hard things in my life and enjoyed every freaking second of it and had a great time, you know, working myself into a puddle um, because it was fun. So training can be fun and training for kids needs to be fun. And it needs to be, you mentioned it, building that confidence. Kids need to walk out of a training situation going, yeah. And that if, if every kid who came out of a training session was standing there going, yeah, that was good. I, boy, youth, youth uh, athletics would be in a different place, right? So we want to build, we want to have fun. We want to build confidence. Um, there is an aspect to this of learning and empowering them to be kind of coaches within themselves, heighten their awareness of what's happening in the training process give them a little bit of ownership of what's happening. You might be really surprised at the decisions and directions they take things uh, that are awesome. That's exactly what they need. And because you gave them a little bit of ownership, uh, they were able to kind of take things there. They, might, they, they don't know what energy system they're targeting. They don't know what movement pattern they're going after. But that little bit of ownership and their you know, kid brain going to work on it um, is going to be another part of the fun, another part of the confidence. Um, you know, when you start talking specific sports and you start talking the tactics um, that, that are involved in that sport, you take, um, we'll just, I'm sure the conversations happen in lacrosse and soccer. Uh, I'm a little more familiar with them in football, but you look at the decision-making uh, Barry Sanders was not the fastest running back in the NFL. He just wasn't, but boy, he could make you miss and he could see the field and he knew how the plays were going to develop and who he knew where not to be. And he knew where he needed to go mm -hmm. and he could make you miss. And that's vision and processing, uh, decision-making on, on a really high level. So part of that youth development should be encouraging that sort of higher level thought to what's happening in, in the, in the kids. Um, and you do that by gamifying and, and creating games. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so there's some, there's some things that get, can get involved there that get a little bit outside of the sets and reps uh, strength coach box mm -hmm. Um and you don't want to turn it into, you know, um, Lord of the Flies uh, and and have and for anybody listening that isn't familiar with that book, shame, uh, shame, shame, uh, go read it. And great, um, great. By the way, great soundtrack, by the way. Very underrated uh, soundtrack. Yes. Understood. Actually, I'm I'm, a, I'm unfamiliar, so I'll have to go listen to the soundtrack. I'm just telling you, pretty um, good stuff there. Like it. So. Yeah, I think um, we we can step outside of the sets and reps and say, and you know, there's 
I think, is it New Zealand has a, a really solid LTAD uh, sort of program and thing that they teach. Um, Australia, New Zealand, and Canada Australia, are like the big, there you go. and Canada, and a lot of it is just because of their hockey, their hockey developmental stuff is really, really good. And their hockey information uh, is fantastic in their LTAD and it's phenomenal stuff. Awesome. So yeah, I, I think fun, I think um, ownership, involvement, um, and bring bring some gamification, bring some uh, some thought uh, to to what's happening because the better they are at making decisions, the better are are at responding. I remember Todd Durkin talking about this years ago, um, and, and there's a hundred different ways to do it. But if you're doing something like doing med ball passes, and you you have to answer a question, um, or you know have a specific target that you can identify uh, as you turn around and, and do something, you start to incorporate that mental side of things and um, the, the, the visual acuity, the responses, like there's, there's a, there's a lot that you can, you can kind of get into. Uh, obviously we don't have time to, to dive down every rabbit hole um, and to pull it back real quick into the pull up and, and everything conversation. Boy, I, I like setting that foundation with an inverted row and using rings or suspension straps and creating a situation where we really start building a lot of great scapular uh, strength, mechanics, control, um, and slowly bring them into that vertical plane. Um, lats are, they're important. Um, it, it is the bridge between the upper and lower body. It is uh, significant if we're talking sprinting. Um, which for most athletes, we will talk sprinting. Uh, so lats become really important. And that um, building that uh, is, I think, a, a, a key area. I, I, I'm not that skilled at many things, uh, but um, I think one of the reasons I've had success over the years training-wise is I was blessed with uh, some pretty good lats. And, um, you know, when I was a kid in high school, I could do six sets of 12 behind the neck pull-ups and then flip around to the front and knock off 20 to, to 24 pull-ups. And that was how I started a training session. I mean, <laughs> yeah, granted at the time I weighed like a, a buck 35, buck 40, and I had a really good body weight to strength ratio. Um, so it was, you know, it was pretty easy, but setting the foundation with those lats has set me up for success as a strength athlete. Um, for years. Yeah, I think. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously the inverted rows, but you know, for, for even before that pull up bars, hanging brachiation, goofing around, you know, ninja warrior classes. I mean, like my youngest drew, he goes to these, you know, he goes to this ninja school uh, he had in the past where he's, you know, on rings and he's, he's just having a blast. And to him, he's like, dad, I made it through all like 10 rings and this kid's covering, you know, a decent amount of space and he's just hanging on one arm. Like it's nothing like yeah. how many adults could hang with one arm. They could for like a little bit until something snaps. But, um, yeah. but, but I think what it really boils down to is if we look at the, the, the most popular compound exercises we see in the gym, there's a bunch of crap that you can do before that is going to set you up for those compound movements. And that's why, we shouldn't always differentiate a movement pattern versus an exercise. Another example, lunging, right? So I, I, I warm up the kids in lacrosse, right? And uh, we always do as part of our warm up uh, a walking lunge with an overhead reach. I'll get them with their sticks overhead. 
And they know if, if when they're lunging, I say, I want you to take a long stride and tap your back knee. And you wouldn't believe how many kids are like, when we're doing like 12 walking lunges. Right. And then they wonder when they go and play the game of lacrosse, why they can't get low and scoop the ball up. Well, it's like, do you know why? Because when you go and you step forward with one leg forward and one leg back and you lower your center of gravity and you try to pick up an implement, if you don't have the strength or the stability to descend towards the ground and pick it up and come back up, you're not going to be able to do that. So guess what? When you go and pick up a ball, it's a lunge. Now, is it the identical lunge that you're going to see in the weight room? No, it's not. But it's a, it's a lunge nonetheless. So the patterns are there. It's just, um, you know, you have to understand how to look at movement and not exercise. And, and that's just a big part of what I try to do, um, when I'm, I'm integrating, uh, movements with these kids. And when I'm teaching with these kids, because I'm thinking, I'm not thinking about today's practice. No, I'm not. To be honest, I'm thinking about what am I trying to accomplish now that will set them up for success down the road? How can I sneak these things into the movement? Um, so that's a big part of it, but I want to kind of change gears a little bit because, um, we did a podcast a long time ago, uh, and, and this was really unstructured versus unstructured training. And I think we can have that identical conversation with youth athletes. I think there's a time and a place for structured training where they go to practice and they have specific skills that they work on, where they go to a weight room and they do specific things. There's specificity. If you want to good at X, you should try to devise a game plan to do X. But the thing that we forget about is the unstructured part. And, and when we talk about unstructured training in, in the world of strength and conditioning, that's very different. I'm talking about unstructured movement and play and movement exploration. We do these games in the backyard. Um, and uh, I, I can't exactly remember where I got it from, but uh, there's uh, the, the Kavanaugh brothers, which are, you know, Notre Dame lacrosse royalty. They have the Kavanaugh chaos drill where they get in front of a goal and they they chuck lacrosse balls at each other and they just they they put it in the goal fancy they they're behind the back through the legs but they're they're training they're having fun it's unstructured they're going on the fly and and the beauty of that is it's in an environment that they're like who cares if you miss like who cares if you miss and um i think we need to encourage a little bit more unstructured play and movement exploration and look like you know, if you want to goof around and have fun, goof around and have fun. Who cares? Everything doesn't have to be so damn serious. And look, all those fancy plays that you see the top players do, they didn't pull it off that day. They were doing something before that, maybe consciously or subconsciously, that allowed their mind and their body to react and complete a movement. I mean, there was this, 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 I was watching the, the PLL over the last weekend. There's this player again, he was uh, from Notre Dame. His name's uh Ryder Garnsey. And this guy scored six goals or seven goals over the weekend. And like, I don't even know how he got the shot off. This dude like got hit by like five people. He was on the ground, somehow scored a goal. Like if that guy didn't have good body awareness, it's not going to happen. So, but that will never happen through overly structured play. It's going to happen through fun. It's going to happen through goofing around. It's going to happen through just going in and, and having fun. And like, that's the thing we need more of. Like, I'll go in again, do that, that drill with my son, Connor. I'd be like, what do you want to do? I said, bud, let's just goof. I'll chuck some balls. You, you, you shoot, you go behind the back, go through the legs, just do it and have, and he loves it. It's one of his favorite things to do. And that's, that's a key component that we need to start adding back into our training, not our training sessions with my kid, but I think people need to remember 
Like, have a little fun, man. Play, play, have a little, put a game together, play some speedball, play some, I don't know, whatever games you want to play. But the unstructured play is going to, I actually think it'll help athletes in the sport and, 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 and the ability to react in various planes a little bit better than just the weight room alone. Cause they have to, it's play, it's reaction, right? And it's tag, it's evading people, it's changing direction. So I think the unstructured part is, uh, is something that we need to add more of. And then from a structured standpoint, it's really simple. How do we know if a kid is ready to start strength training? Can he or she pay attention and do they want to be there? If they can't pay attention and they don't want to be there, they shouldn't be trying to participate in a strength and conditioning program. Um, they just shouldn't. And, and that's, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, do they want to be there or their parents want them to be there and, and everything else that goes along with that. But, you know, when it comes to working with youth guys, it's, it's, it's really simple. And I think the most important thing that we need to understand is they are not mini adults. They are not smaller versions of fully grown individuals, They're kids. They, they bring to the table different movements and a different mindset and a different brain. So don't try to do the stuff that professionals do. It's a waste of time. Awesome. Three last things. Struggle is okay. I think sometimes with youth, we get concerned that uh, they're going to get frustrated, that they're, they're, they're going to feel like they're failing. They're going to feel like you know, when, when you're trying to learn that new move, you're trying to learn that new thing that you need to progress at your position in your sport or whatever you're doing, and you're having trouble making it happen, it's okay. That struggle is useful. That struggle is actually how we're learning. I know as a coach, the things that I've struggled to accomplish physically, I'm really good at coaching because I had to go through the process of learning how to do that thing. The things that I picked up without ever having to practice it, not that great at coaching it initially because I didn't have to go through the process. Now I got to reverse engineer and think through yeah. why is this person having trouble? So those situations where you see uh, struggle, don't guide them away from it. Don't leave them there forever. Don't push them into struggle and not succeeding over long periods of time, but set up the guardrails and let them struggle and learn. Uh, throw a throw a tip in, throw a cue in every now and then, but but struggle is so, so useful to learning. And you got to pair this with a little Ted Lasso. Yeah. Be a goldfish. Goldfish, arguably, happiest animal in the world, only has a 10-second memory. Um and there, but there's those ten, there's that 10 seconds where you can take a lesson away from the struggle and then be a goldfish and get back to it. It is when we start attaching meaning and we start saying things like failure that that becomes a really bad, bad direction to be, to be headed in. And so, um, and the whole PMA, I have a positive mental attitude so I can accomplish everything. Look, Positive mental attitude fails because life happens. The <laughs> attitude you want to have, it, it does. It, it 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 is. There's books written on it, and you know, I I I can we'll look up. I, I can't remember the guy's name right now. Uh, he's actually an author. He was uh, Russell Wilson's uh, mental coach, and he's actually passed. Um, pretty young guy, as well. Um, but the the whole idea was respond to what the situation needs. 
don't attach meaning to it. Oh, woe is me. Look at that. Oh, you know, my, my stick broke. Okay. Well, grab another stick. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no dark cloud hanging over you. There's, you know, yeah, you might've missed five goals in a row. Guess what? The, the, the sixth one can go in. Um, so anyway, just struggle is okay, but don't leave them there. Be a goldfish, but take the lessons away. There's always a caveat with me. It can never be simple. And then I just want to, I just want to say something real quick on like ACL prevention. <clears throat> we know that within uh, women's athletics, ACLs are a big deal, especially for youth. Um, and one of the issues is uh, a, a young female athlete will typically choose a stiffer, stiff leg strategy versus a bent leg strategy. If you can simply get youth to bend their freaking knees <laughs> and get into a good athletic position, a lot of good things start to happen. But when you choose to stay high and not bend your knees, you create a chain of events that can be really, really bad. And so this is where, where Mike talked about, you know, encouraging those movement patterns and using exercises to strengthen those movement patterns, encourage and strengthen the ability to get into a good athletic position and bend your knees. And a lot of things can be assisted and, or I hate to use the word prevented, because as soon as you say prevented, people are like, oh, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Now I, I've tried to prevent many things in my life and I can tell you they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you try, but you accept, be a goldfish, uh, you accept the fact that, that, you know, things like that are going to happen. So I just wanted to throw that in there because it's a, it is, it sounds like such a simple thing, but people are not doing it because they're not coached to do it. And if they would, we would see a lot fewer injuries. Yeah. Oh, and train some de and train some deceleration. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing. And, and, uh, but again, it's yeah, I, we could probably do a whole nother podcast on this because I'm just I'm getting a little fired up on on strategies to train deceleration because there's ways to teach kids to decelerate and it doesn't have to be deceleration drills. It can be games. But um, but, you know, it. going Let's back, go, going back to, uh, you know, what Brett was saying, just as we close out on the struggle, um, think of struggle as fuel. If you if you if you struggle, use that use that experience as an opportunity to get better. And at first it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. But eventually you got to. You got to dust yourself off and keep going. And uh, the best stories are usually born out of a struggle. So um, and you can and to add to that, when you're in that struggle, praise the effort, not the outcome. Yep. From a coaching standpoint, from a parental standpoint, do not coach the outcome. You're awesome because you did X. Yep. No, no. You succeeded Hey, I know that was a tough situation, but man, I really like how much effort you put into that and how you hunt in there and you really wanted to do well on that drill. Good job. Yep. That's the encouragement that you give. Don't praise the outcome, praise the effort and, and don't attach meaning that where do you think kids learn to attach meaning to stuff? Parents and Ex coaches. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. Don't, don't do it. So I'm going to leave you with, uh, one phrase that you should say to your kids after every single game. And this is a reminder to myself. I really enjoyed watching you play today. Good job. And that's it. Doesn't have to be anything more than that. 
And 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 honestly, that 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 should be the truth. It shouldn't be a psychological ploy. I really enjoyed watching you play today. That was awesome. Say it with a smile, say it with a hug, and go get some ice cream and have a friggin' great time and do it. So um well, thank you uh, for listening today. Uh, this has been the Minimum Effective Dose podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share it with your friends, colleague, colleagues, et cetera. And uh, if you could, shoot us a uh, positive review on whatever platform you're listening to, and we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.